When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Habits You Love, a thought-provoking podcast about self-love, self-healing, and spiritual evolution. I'm Kayla Fazio, and with each episode, it is my mission to expand your mind to what you think is possible for you and provoke thoughts of looking at your own healing you may need and help you discover the power you have within you to build healthy habits and create a life you love. Now, let's get to the episode. Hey. Adam with the Backpack Theory Podcast, where we unpack past experiences to help define a better future. And today we are going to be unpacking shame, the biggest negative emotion. And my guest today is Kayla Fascio. Did I say that right? You did. Good job. Um, dude, thank you. Because like I think I practiced that a couple our, times our before you jumped on. Worked. <laughs> our practice paid off. And uh, Kayla sent me a massive bio, which we had to really consolidate a little bit because she has a long, uh, you know, history whenever it comes to the wellness and health industry. But to summarize, Kayla is a health and wellness expert. She has helped thousands of women over the past nine years lose fat, gain muscle. She came from fitness modeling. She's an influencer of physical health, and she is the host of Habits You Love, and she is about to be a future mom. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the most exciting the, thing about all of this? The biggest probably collaboration I will ever do with someone else. <laughs> <laughs> how so how long until uh how long until the due day? I am 26 weeks this week. So my due date's end of February, beginning of March. I don't kind of just saying the the first week of March because you never know how those things are going to go. So how are you, uh, how is it going with the work-life balance right now? It's going great. Um, yeah. It's, are you talking about with pregnancy or just with pregnancy? Work? Like with pregnancy. Yeah. I mean, that's, oh a, that's a lot. I'm having the best experience. Honestly, I feel amazing. I have great energy. I am in the second trimester. I might be speaking too soon before the third trimester. <laughs> so I've heard, but I wake up at like 4.35 AM every day. I do my, my morning routine. I still work out basically the same high intensity lifting weights, going on long walks. Um, yeah, I basically feel the exact same as before pregnancy right now. So a little crazy. <laughs> That's actually but. quite incredible to be completely mm -hmm. honest. I mean, I know some people that have had terrible experiences, great experiences. I will tell you, you need to let your fiance know to get ready to make the baths. So make baths the, what? The, third, the baths, like he needs oh, to make baths. baths for you. Yeah. Okay. For the third I'm not, trimester. I'm not, I'm not a bath person. I've never, I, I don't like baths. <laughs> Maybe Dude, I should I, start liking them. I, I just know quite a few people that have gone through the third trimester and they've said baths like really, really help whenever it comes to like the aches and pains and like the awkwardness and like floating. Okay. Um, and so I, yeah. I'm just throwing it out there. Like just, you know, just throwing it out there. Yeah, I'm all, if it comes to that, I will definitely take advantage. But right now I have zero aches and pains. So we'll see. Hopefully that lasts as long as possible. 
that is an incredible uh, experience. Do you feel like, so do you feel like, uh, your the industry you're in attributes to that is all at all like you know because you're you've stayed active you've stayed healthy like during this process oh definitely i definitely the fact that i've been so active and eat healthy already i think that has a big contribution to the way it's going right now just everything is perfect everything's healthy i'm healthy um yeah it's just gonna be a weird nine months of ten months of just this getting bigger and then having to try to work it off after I'm done. But I think everyone has told me it's because you're, you're so active. You've been active. You should have an easy birth, praying to God and get right back to it. So there you go, dude, that's awesome. Positivity. I know that I personally, yes. uh, coming up on this Thursday, I'm going to have to lose a food baby, but I think that's probably a little bit easier than actually losing, uh, you know, it's, it's a little different. <laughs> So I real quick, say, I'm glad I am. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. What were you going to say? I was said I was, I'm, I'm glad I'm pregnant during all these, the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, <laughs> I get like all the excuse to gorge myself. Just <laughs> enjoy it. Enjoy yes. it all, all the turkey. Or do you have a <laughs> dish that you're going to make for Thanksgiving that is your like special dish? I really am not good at cooking or baking at all. And I hardly ever contribute to Thanksgiving. I just show up and eat what everyone else is making. I love the fact that you have no shame in saying no that. shame, no shame. <laughs> so I, I kind of uh, describe what exactly you do. Why don't you tell us what your description and roundabout about what you do right now in your life? Like what, ex how would you describe that? Yeah, I describe it as living out my experience and passion. So I do mainly primarily do my podcast right now. I take on very few select one-on-one -on -one clients for the, you know, losing weight, the fat loss, the muscle gain, um, the lifestyle change that people, people want. So, uh, up until about, a little over a year ago, I was doing that still full time. So I would probably have 10 to 20 clients at a time. Um, and my podcast was kind of on the back burner, but now it's kind of flipped roles and I mainly do this. And then my, my clients kind of come second. So I really want to give them all the attention that they need. So I don't take on as many. Um, and the podcast is really just my passion project. It's, it's incredible how, I don't know if you've experienced this, but when you have a podcast it's like you meet all these people these people just come into your life and you're like you should be on my podcast and so I really have like you said in the beginning um I release an episode a week and it's usually with a guest because I either meet someone here locally or it's a referral or I'll have people reach out to me via social media to be on the podcast so that's really my my true passions right now is just talking, which is amazing to get paid to talk um, about, you know, your own life experiences and hopefully to grow the podcast. Um, me and my fiance are about to collab and launch our business together because we actually both do health and fitness, but we do it separately. So we're about to have a baby and uh, we want to spend more time together. So we're about to like join forces and hopefully help the community here where we live more and then also join and do the podcast together and then do the coaching together. So that's what I got going on right now. Just a little bit, 
just just, just a, little a little bit. bit while being pregnant on top of all of it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you wanted to come on and talk about the subject and I will hold on real quick. Uh, my ADHD kicks in sometimes in the middle of a <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah, I will agree with you. It is cool. Like how whenever you have a podcast, you, you know, it's, I was talking to a guy the other day that I had on sometimes like you put out this content and you're like, is someone actually going to listen to this or not? And then like you have that random person that walks up to you and they're like, dude, like the person you had on your podcast or whatever you shared, like it really transformed my life. Like mm -hmm. I had no idea you went through that. I had no idea someone else was struggling with those things. And I had no idea that you know, that was even out there as an option to listen to. And I really think that goes well into the subject that you want to talk to, which is about shame because so many people hide behind their shame. And so why not, why did you want to, why this topic, why is this something that you want to unpack? Yeah. A couple of reasons. Um, first of all, when you asked me to be on the podcast and it is called the backpack theory, but it's also about unpacking your, your past basically and how you got to where you are today. Really the first thing that came to my mind was I had a podcast episode titled Unpacking Shame, the biggest negative emotion. And unpack that word is something that I very commonly use on a day-to-day -day basis almost. If I'm talking about anything with healing or a healing journey or you know inner healing you may need you know, so many of us walk around with so much baggage that if we just stop to unpack it all, clean it up and operate from an open, empty space, we would all be much better off. So I think, um, and just some, some bullet points of a couple of reasons why I wanted to talk about it is, uh, well, and we'll get to each one of these separately, but shame is, like you said, the biggest negative emotion that people really don't know about um, on the scale of uh, a level of human consciousness, it's the lowest on the frequency spectrum, which we'll get into. Um, it was the biggest negative emotion that I had to personally work through that I would never have associated myself with up until the point where I realized that it was basically running my life, um, everything I was doing. And then lastly, it's something people would never immediately jump towards when they're trying to seek help in their lives. So even though shame is a universal experience, absolutely no one wants to talk about it. So here I am being shameless and we're going to talk about that today. <laughs> so, Hey, thank you for your transparency. I completely agree with you. I think that, um, it's, it's so easy to, uh, allow the things in our past that we think, uh, we went through really stop us from ever moving forward. You know, if you study the brain, you've got the three different segments of how exactly it communicates from like your reptilian brain to your processor, to your frontal lobe. And so many times if in that, in that processing area that, that, you know, your, 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 your hard drive, if you will, if you've got a bunch of shame and stuff that's stuck in there, it can actually cause that to shrink and cause you to react based off of emotions. Cause you're not processing through it because it's literally holding you back. And I think that, um, in our society today as well, everybody's worried about putting this good face forward and worried about not having any shame or and it's just, it's, it's so easy to do that. So did, growing up, how exact, let's, let's unpack this a little bit about, you know, I mean, I know you said it's, you know, there's three different bullet points you want to get to, but like growing up, was this something that was talked about in your household? I mean, how did you grow up? And I mean, you know, what were some things maybe that attributed to uh, where you're at now? 
Yeah. So growing up, nothing about emotions, feelings was ever talked about. And I'm sure this is just a generational thing. I feel like now coming up in our generation, it is more mainstream and it is more talked about. But I think my parents and older, this is really new information to them that they, you know, they were never able to express or even it wasn't a common thing to be like, oh, I have trauma. Oh, I go to therapy. Oh, I'm working through this. And like, I am vulnerable. And, and so unfortunately my parents did not have that themselves. So they were not able to relay that onto their children. So I have three siblings. Um, my childhood was amazing. Like I have no bad things to say, no uh, like ill will towards how we were raised. Like looking back, I can just remember, you know, we were always taken care of like from our, for our physical needs, you know, we always had food, clothing, shelter. And like, I can remember as each year passed on, you know, my dad started making more money and my mom was always a stay at home mom. So our parents were very present in the home, which I was super, super grateful for. Cause a lot of my friends didn't have that. Like their parents were at work and my mom was able to like come pick us up from school and um, surprise us with random things at school, whether it'd be like, Oh, I brought you lunch today. Oh, I brought you your snacks or whatever. Um, and so I always remember that, but that definitely stood out to me that like, Oh, my dad, is an entrepreneur and he's very present. He was never traveling. My mom was a stay at home mom and they were both, both very present. But as I got older and into my late twenties, um, I realized that, wow, they did provide for us and they did take care of us physically, but on an emotional level, they did not provide us with any of like the life tools that you actually need when life hits you, real life hits you, right? When you actually go through things. So um, yeah, my, my childhood was great. I loved high school. I will say due to, um, a lot of, they call it, I guess, helicopter mom issues and just overbearing and overprotective perfectionistic mother. Um, I did start to rebel in my teenage years because I just felt like I was being so controlled and not given the space to express my feelings or, know what my feelings or emotions were. So I started to rebel a lot in my teens and into my early twenties. Um, and then I kind of calmed down after that. And, you know, I kind of, I kind of, um, my relationship with my parents was very spotty after all that. Cause they were just like, why are you acting like this? And trying to correct my behavior and not understand why I was making the decisions I was making. Um, and so after that, after I kind of finally calmed down, we were close again and all that. But um, yeah, and so I think just like the purpose of your podcast is just like I had so much built up emotions and feelings that I did not know how to handle into my mid-20s. And then I went through a lot of personal trauma in my mid-20s. And that's when I kind of hit a rock bottom and I knew I had to start dealing with everything that I had went through. And so once you kind of crack open that, that case, it's a never ending journey. It's something's always going to come up. So I may have started with one thing that I needed to work on, but then kind of when I got that under control, it was very much like, Oh, here's another thing. And this is why I'm like this. And this is why I do this. And this is why my relationships go this way. So 
here we are. I've learned so much in the last four years of starting my healing journey. And that's what I really like, like to relate to other people through my podcast. I love that. I think of, uh, as you talk about your childhood, we had very similar childhoods growing up. Very, very similar. My parents, I was homeschooled all the way up until my junior year. Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. Uh, we mm -hmm. never went without my parents instilled a lot of very good principles in my life. Like my dad made me buy my first car from him and mm -hmm. put it on a payment plan. He didn't just give it to me. Um, same thing with my siblings, but growing up, um, you know, we went, we were very legalistic, um, and uh, we kind of followed something. And I think my parents now looking back would admit this as we've done a lot of work together. Uh, I grew up knowing the shame gospel, ironically mm -hmm. enough. And it was, you go to church to put on a perfect picture and you always want to appear perfect, which means that you don't discuss the things that you're ashamed of. And me from a very young age, what that did to me is that that told me that, well, if in my mind, you know, because from the reptilian brain standpoint, like, you know, that it's not possible to be perfect. Like just that is an innate human thing. Like you are going to, you know, that you cannot be perfect. And so I would revert to lying. I would, in, I would revert to embellishing on the truth. I would revert to rebelling against my parents. And not only would I rebel against my parents, I'd figure out the best lie that I could tell them so that I didn't get in trouble, which therefore just took more of that shame. And it basically like a trash compactor, just compacted it on top of each other and then just shoved it in a real dark space. And then through my twenties, after going to jail and just making all these other mistakes, I didn't know why I was feeling these feelings. I was like, I mean, looking back, like, you know, I'd look at some of my friends and like, they, I was like, I mean, they grew up poor and they grew up doing this. It makes sense to me why they are that way. But for me, like, why do I feel sh like, why do I feel ashamed? And like, why do I feel like I have to lie about how good I was at this or how good I was at that? Like, why am I constantly living in fear? And you know, as I got older more and more, and I think the first concept of the backpack theory was I started realizing, oh my God, there's a lot of baggage there. And I, right now, the way that I'm reacting is fully connected to something in my childhood. And I really started unpacking that. And that's, you know, especially over the last two, three, four years, like I've really started seeing myself take ownership over those things in allowing and healing comes from conversations like this, mm -hmm. right? Like, because you said that, and I do want to jump into this because I think a lot of people in our generation have a hard time connecting with their parents um, because of those things. And you start recognizing those. How did you reconnect with your parents and what has that done for your growth? Yeah. Um, let's reconnect with my parents probably was in my early twenties when I, I got into a serious relationship and it was, you know, we're from the Bible Belt. So it was one of those like timeline things of like, okay, I graduated college. I'm in a serious relationship. I should probably get engaged and I should probably get married. Um, you know, and my parents, they were always there for me. Um, they were never the kind that were going to be like, you're never allowed. We're disowning you. It was always like they were there. Yet it did have to kind of be my choice to kind of go back and rekindle the relationships. But I honestly don't really remember a specific time where it was like a huge monumental, like, welcome back, Kayla. <laughs> but I think just, you know, over time, I as I matured, I wanted to be with my parents for some reason. Like, 
I went to their house almost every single day and like in mm. college just to stop by, say hi. And we really had a good relationship. Um, when I was 24 is when really the world, our, our family's world got turned upside down. And again, this is a whole nother episode, but you know, now that I'm doing so much research on shame and vulnerability, I really think that had a lot to do with this situation, but that's just my perspective and opinion. But my parents, what happened? um, in 20, in 2014 yeah. when I was 24. Yeah. So my dad out of nowhere, he just really started to come down with like a weird mental illness. Um, January, 2014, he just got super depressed. He called us in for like a family meeting. It was just like, I've just been in this dark cloud. I feel like there's a dark cloud over me. He very much related it to being a spiritual battle. He was like, I just felt like I'm in a spiritual battle right now. And he couldn't sleep. He barely slept. He looked like a zombie walking around the house. Um, but I will say at this point in time, my parents were empty nesters and from going from having four kids and my mom, all she knew to do was be a stay at home mom. Like she didn't know her identity in the world. I don't think unless it was being a mom and being a wife. So from my perspective, it was very much, my dad is really not doing well mentally, can barely function, can't run his business, just going through crazy things. He went into mental hospitals, like something our family had never experienced before, just being a normal middle-class family um, and our family being, you know, kind of the, like, everyone wanted to come to our house. It was like, our doors always open, friends were always over. And so when all that kind of just stop and slow down, I think my mom seeing my dad the way he was, she, and then not having the kids around anymore, she kind of lost herself as well. So simultaneously, both of my parents were going through a lot of mental illness, whatever, however your definition of mental illness is. Um, mm. But what that looked like for us was just, they were depressed. They weren't coming out of the house. And again, with the shame, they weren't telling anyone what was going mm. on and they were keeping it from people and keeping it from us and not telling us the full story. Um, so they really just, you know, hid from the world basically. And then that went on for a year and a half in between. I ended up getting married. They barely made it to my wedding. Like I had to like beg them to come to the wedding. Oh. It was in a different state. So I kind of, you know, I understood, but I was like, you have to be there. It's my wedding. You can't just use de depression as your excuse, you know? Um, so they made it, but then middle of 2015, um, after about a year and a half of that battle, my mom ended up uh, taking her life. Wow. Yeah. So she took her life. She just lost all hope. Um, and again, not having the emotional tools, not having the ability to reach out for help and be vulnerable and say, I'm struggling. Um, that was very much something they both kept inside to themselves. So even to this day, again, my personal opinion is like, my dad has never truly dealt with anything um, up until that point. A after that point, he you know, didn't grieve very well. He really wasn't there for us. Like we've, we've never had a conversation about my mom, which is crazy to me. Like we've never sat down and been like, how does everyone feel about this? Like, how did you feel? How do you feel? You know, we all have to have different feelings about it. So anyway, to sum up the, the question is, you know, 
I did rekindle that relationship, lost my mom. And then my relationship with my dad has kind of since fallen off just because I feel like I've gone down this journey of, I, I, I call it reparenting myself, but which is a term reparenting. Cause I'm like, you guys didn't do the work that I need. So now I'm responsible for going back and doing everything that you didn't give me. And so, yeah, so that's where I am now with my, with my dad. I mean, we're not horrible, but we're not close and just doing the work of everything that I had to go through, through that. Dude, well, hey, thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing that story. I know that whenever it comes to situations like that, you tell the story over and over again, you in a weird way relive it. And so, you know, that really takes a part of someone to be able to share a story like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's really, really hard whenever it comes to, you see someone that you care about, you see someone hurting and they just won't talk about it. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's, um, you know, there's the 988 hotline that is always out there. If anybody's listened to this episode and you ever feel like you are in a position to where you don't know if you can move forward or you don't know if you can do it anymore. Like there are people there that do care. There are mm-hmm. people there that will listen, you know, and the 988 hotline is just a tremendous tool just to have someone to talk to you about it because, you know, people do care about you as a person. If you're listening to this, like you do matter, you do have a purpose, whether it looks bleak or not, it just starts with just, just pick up the phone and make that call. Mm. Um, and it, and so thank you so much for sharing that. Cause I have, I have friends that have taken their own lives or have gone through situations like that or considered it. And, um, it's never easy. It's a long, it's a long healing process. And, uh, there's a lot there, uh, with your dad, which I'll be keeping him in my prayers because that's, mm-hmm. that's, it's a hard thing to hold on to because you know you have all these thoughts in your head of like, could I have done something different? Did I miss, did I, did I miss something? Could I have, I corrected something in the situation and, um, that in itself can put you in another cage of shame. So I'll be praying for that situation that it has some kind of like resolve and mm-hmm. especially for you and your dad, because that's gotta be hard to live in that, especially mm-hmm. whenever, you know, you're about to have, uh, you know, you're about to have a kid and you're about to have your first grandkid and everything. Um, so I'll be praying. And I will tell you that in my life, my, my relationship with my parents after having my daughter completely transformed, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot there and it just, it just changes people. So I'll be praying that that happens in your situation. Thank you. You're very, very Yeah, welcome. he's excited. Um, I mean, it's definitely not one of those things where it's like, Oh, I can't tell dad. Like it's just yeah. not the same as it was. And so you think back and you're like, it kind of sucks because Mm. at one point it it felt so good and now it just feels different, but not bad. Healing can happen in anybody. And I truly believe in miracles and I see it happen every single day in my life and other people see it happen every day. So I'm sure that with time and the more work you do, which, Mm -hmm. you know, is really kind of, uh, why we're here talking is the more work you do on that shame and the more responsibility you take, the more that, I mean, that's all you have control over. And I think so many people get stuck in like looking at significant others or looking at friends or looking at family members or looking at bosses or whatever it may be. And that person's stuck. And then you can actually get stuck in a cycle by not having healthy boundaries in place where you, that, that becomes like your project. And if you're not working on yourself or recognizing the fact that you have to work on yourself, you can get stuck right there in that cycle, which is ultimately not going to do them any good either. Right. Exactly. Yep. Got to break, break out. And like, just sometimes you just have to let people see the way you change and not 
try to force anything on anyone yet just be the example. So, so that was a very hard time. I'm sure that was a hard transition. Um, moving from that point to now, can you just kind of fill us in how it was that your lowest point? Would you say? No, I wouldn't say okay. that's my lowest point. Yeah. Lowest point, rock bottom, ultimate rock well, bottom. Cause well, tell, well, real quick, tell us about yeah. the point from that to your rock bottom. And do you feel like this situation brought up things that may be attributed to that rock bottom? So 2015 after mom, you know, took her life was when I just completely just disassociated. Like I was just one mm-hmm. of those people that was like, you can't look weak, you can't cry, you can't show emotion, business as usual. Like think the, even the next week I was just like back to the gym, back to being normal, back to going out with friends. And so mine was very much a place of avoidance. Like I, I had all these feelings looking back now, but in that moment, I wouldn't even recognize them as a feeling or emotion. Like I didn't know what an emotion was until I was like 29. Uh, 28, 29. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't know how to feel what I was feeling or what it even was. I just knew it was like either a physical feeling or like uh, running thoughts. Right. And so after that, honestly, it was just business as usual. I was married at the time we started to kind of go on the rocks um, long. That's a whole nother story, but I'll just sum it up that way. We were just kind of grew apart from that. And then I ended up getting a divorce in 2017. I'm interrupting this episode because I want to introduce you guys to Copilot. I discovered Copilot while I was trying to get my motivation to get back in the gym and have personalized workouts made just for me and my goals. No thinking on my part involved. Copilot is exactly how it sounds. A service that links you with an affordable real life personal trainer to tailor workouts based on your individual needs and goals. Did you know you're about 85% more likely to hit a goal when you have a coach? With Copilot, you'll get a real person, accountability, check-ins, support and guidance. Wondering what you need? Don't worry. With Copilot's flexibility, your workout programs are designed around your lifestyle with or without a gym. It's basically like you have a personal trainer without the hefty price tag, but a price that will make you want to get off of your couch and get moving. I started using Copilot and was assigned a personal trainer who is awesome. Shout out to Lauren, who really wanted to know what I was looking for in a program and structured a workout plan that works perfect for me, my schedule, and what I have access to. As someone who has been a personal trainer in the past and having to program so many workouts all the time, I get the peace of mind of just walking in and walking out feeling accomplished without the what am I going to do confused look on my face. Having Copilot saves me time, saves me money, and saves my sanity. Get fit and feel fabulous when you give Copilot a try. To find out why it was listed by Forbes as the top-rated personal trainer app of 2023, head to go.mycopilot.com/habits to get a 14-day free trial with your own personal trainer. That's go dot mycopilot.com slash habits to get a free 14 days trial with your very own personal trainer. Take a back seat and let Copilot help you reach your fitness goals. So 2014 shit hits the fan with my family deal with that for a year and a half. 2015 mom is 
gone, the family kind of splinters because none of us know how to sit down and be vulnerable and talk about what happened. So we kind of splinter off, you know, kind of here and there we're we're hanging out and doing whatever. But I think it was just such a delicate time. And so it's almost like you don't want to be around the people that are involved because it's like, oh, if we're around each other, we have to talk about it. So I think that kind of splintered us a little bit. And then 2017, like again, actually tw- all of 2016, we were separated on and off. Like I would, I would live with a friend. I actually lived, lived with my dad for a little bit. Oh. We were on and off separated. And then 2017, finally got divorced. And then I moved to California at the end of 2017 because I was so smart. And I was like, you know, if I just move across the, across the country and no one knows who I am, uh, I can be a whole n- another person. I can have a whole new identity. No one will ask me about my family. No one will ask me about my divorce. You know, running from shame, basically. Let's leave the shame in Oklahoma and I'll move to California and I'll start a whole new life. It'll just so that was Click at the heels. It'll be gone. Exactly. Exactly. So 2017, 2018, I... You know, being just naive and and vulnerable and going through a lot of trauma, which at the time I didn't know I was, I got trauma bonded. If anyone is familiar with the term trauma bonded with um, a person who was not great um, in a relationship. So fell into a toxic relationship. Do you mind just what is your definition of trauma bond? Because that's something that a lot of people throw around. Um, Just what is your understanding and definition of that before we move forward? Hmm. I would say, I think it could be two people that both are trauma bonded together, or it could be one person. So for my case, it was very much like, really, I I mean, I was going through so much trauma. I didn't know it was trauma. This person came into my life that honestly recognized that and would use it against me. and was like there to save the day. It was like, I'm your knight in shining armor. I will save you. I will take care of you. And then I was basically at his disposal because I wasn't in a place of high self-worth or high self-esteem or confidence to know that like what he was doing to me was unhealthy. So Mm. yeah, I don't know. Definition is hard, but I would say it's like when you are unhealthily attached to someone, but because of your lack of high self-worth it's like you constantly try to make it work to like prove your worth basically it's like oh this person is like really doing things that aren't very loving but since i can't lose him or her and i don't want to be abandoned then i have to make this work and i have to deal with with everything that he's they are doing to me basically unconsciously <laughs> like you Un- don't know you're in a trauma yeah you don't know you're in a trauma bond until you know, you're in trauma bond basically. So there's a great quote, quote actually I reposted by Jay Shetty yesterday that I want to read in relation to this. When someone says, after all I've done for you, they're revealing that what they did for you was not for you at all, but for their own need to control you. Their generosity was a contract with hidden terms. There you go. And I think that it's, it's, you know, whenever I look at situations like that and if that person 
I know in relationships I've had, I've wanted to be the knight in shining armor and I didn't recognize the fact that I had issues that I needed to deal with. And then that person had issues they needed to deal with. And so I was like, well, in my mind, because of where I'm at, I'm going to come in and I'm going to save the day. And it just became this super unhealthy dynamic. And so I, I sitting on the other side of that, I don't know to what extent you went through, uh, because then some narcissism and some other things can come into play depending on the person's personality type. Um, you know, I think that it's two unhealthy people that are both looking to fill a hole, a shame hole, if you will, in this situation. And they, they end up playing off of each other with whatever hole they need to fill. But thank you for unpacking that and kind of giving your definition in relation to that. I was just curious. Yeah, definitely. And I'll put a plug in here. I had, I can't remember how many episodes it is. It's a whole season, I think eight to 10 episodes of just my relationship story on wow. a pod, on a podcast called wow. it doesn't end here wow. so if anyone's like curious your curiosity is going off you can go and listen to all that strongly encourage it if you're going through if you are in an unhealthy relationship in any way continuing to do unhealthy habits isn't going to fix your unhealthy relationship putting it off isn't mm -hmm. going to fix your healthy relationship not talking about it and avoiding it is not going to fix your relationship Blaming the other person is not going to fix your relationship. Taking ownership over what you're going through and truly starting to make changes will start moving you towards figuring out whether or not that relationship is even healthy moving forward. Exactly. Um, but it takes some ownership. So continue. So you were in that relationship. You felt like you had somewhat trauma bonded. It was unhealthy. It was toxic. Were you, were, what were, I do want to ask this just for the listeners. Were you in the fitness industry at this time as well? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that was, that was one of the things that was constantly held over my head is because this person was um, much older and had been in the fitness industry. He was like kind of quasi famous. So he was constantly like, I'll get you this person. I know this person. So uh -huh. it was a lot of stringing along. Another term is if you want to know is future faking, a lot of future faking of like, I will get you this, we'll do this, you're going to do this. But really, in the end, that was just his way of being like, I'm in control of you. And even if I wanted to do something, he made it about him. Like he would want to drive me to photo shoots and pick me up and just still was trying to control me in, in some way. So anyway, I was trying to pursue fitness modeling. I had a couple really cool gigs and I was just doing my coaching. Um, I was in and out of kind of taking on clients because his whole thing was like, Oh, I'll take care of you. You don't have to work. I don't want you to work. I just want you to be at home. I just want you to work out, look super hot, all this stuff. In my mind at the time, I'm like, sweet, this is awesome. But looking back, it's like, no, that's not good. I think every woman should be independent in her own way, whatever that is, have her own thing. And then just let your relationship kind of, um, you know, not be the thing you need, but the thing you want. So yeah, I was still still doing fitness and um, just in and out of that, but still remained. Yeah. So 2000, this is 2017, 2018. You're heading towards your lowest point. What? Give us a five minute kind of breakdown of what that looked like at the low point. Um, my rock bottom. Yeah. Um, yeah. Low point, rock bottom, whatever you want to call it. So let's see. That happened in January of 2020, actually. So, you know, our relationship went on for a good two years. Um, a lot of, a lot of things had happened. And again, plug for the, it doesn't end here podcast because you'll hear everything. But essentially what had happened is I had found out that he was 
probably had cheated, didn't have quite the physical evidence of cheating, but definitely like emotional cheating. Like someone had sent me screenshots of stuff he was saying to someone else and it, and this huge fight ensued. And I was still at a very low point in my life, just trying to figure myself out. Like I'm at the mercy of him. I don't feel confident. I don't have any self-esteem. Um, and when I found that out, I was in my mind, I felt very betrayed. Like betrayal was the emotion I was feeling uh, the most because in my mind, I was like, everything I've done for you, I've supported you like emotionally. I've been there. I've never done anything to you. I'm the kind of the victim here. And then you go off and do that. So we got into a huge fight, um, ended up turning physical, uh, got into a physical fight and I called the police. So I called the police to our $8 million uh, beach home in LA, 2 a.m. in the morning, blue and red lights going off. And I'm like, I'm basically numb at this point. Like I call the police, but I'm like acting very much Mm. out of my body. Like it's like an out of body Mm. experience. Cause I'm like, I just want this to end. Like, I don't, I don't know. I thought they were going to come and save me and help me. I was thinking in my mind, maybe they'll like break it up and let me go to my friend's house down the street. Cause I had a friend down the street. So they get there, they separate us. Um, I'm outside, he's inside and about 10, 20 minutes goes by and they pull me aside and they want me to put my dog inside because my dog's outside with me. And so they're like, let's go put your dog inside and we'll talk some more. So I, f- I put the dog inside and as soon as I close the door, they spin me around and they put me under arrest. Wow. Yeah. So I got arrested that night for domestic, which is crazy to me. Cause I was like 130 pounds. My ex is like 230 pounds. And I'm like, what the heck could he have said or done in there in that amount of time to make it look like I was the one that was like beating up this dude. So that was definitely my lowest point. I mean, I was in jail for like eight hours before getting bailed out, but I just remember being like, and granted it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't, the jail was like a nice jail. It was, I don't know. It's hard to explain. <laughs> I don't know if any jail is nice, but I mean, we get, I get, yeah. it, it's not like Oklahoma Galley jail, basically. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm just like, I don't, I'm just at my lowest point, at my lowest. Um, I get bailed out and the next week it's just like, not just still, I just don't even know how to explain it. I'm just at my lowest point emotionally. Uh, not knowing what to do, where I'm going to go. I have no money. I have no car. I have no nothing because he was in charge of everything. So um, yeah, that was my lowest point. And that was the catapult looking back to now, like all the work that I started to do um, on myself, because really the main thought going through my head was if someone has this much control over me, like that's not a good thing. Like emotionally, in every way, physically, emotionally, financially, like I literally felt like I had no control over myself and that's not a good place to be. So it was like, how can I regain that confidence and control that I once had? And that's such a dude. And so as you know, as we're about to hit the catapult, as you will, it's so crazy to me how in life, those moments of just how did I get here? Those moments Mm -hmm. where it's like, all the hopes lost, those moments of all the shame, all the guilt, that backpack on your back, 
everything is so built up and you are so broken. It's crazy how that moment, if you listen to so many people, that moment is where transformation happens. Mm-hmm. It is a choice. It's a choice. And that's, that's, that's the interesting thing. And that's what a lot of people I think miss you. We were talking off camera, like, you know, where the spiritual and the physical kind of intersect, like at that point, it is a choice. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to make changes and I want to move forward. So give us a fast forward mode so that we can, you know, get to your points. Like what was the next, that was in 2020. So we're three years removed and now you've literally got it. You go from that point to now you have a podcast talking about this stuff. I'm sure you're in the process of writing books and everything else. You're helping people. You're becoming empowered. You're having a child. You have a fiance. Like, how did we get here? <laughs> it's so funny you say that. I was I did a speech recently and I almost titled it, How Did I Get Here? And that was going to be like my whole thing. But I, I didn't do that. But um, yeah, gosh, Oof. when you're in those moments, it feels like you're never going to get out first of all. But I promise you, if you just take it day by day, little by little, one of my favorite quotes is little by little, a little becomes a lot. So you really just have to start with the little. Um, to to sum up 2020, it was my biggest year of change between January and moving um, out of California in September. Um, fortunately and unfortunately, after a couple of weeks had gone by, and I just felt so conflicted in my mind of like, I have nowhere to go, no, nothing to do. We ended up, I ended up getting back together with him um, or moving, like basically just going back to the house, like nothing. We didn't, I didn't move out or anything. It just was like a couple of weeks of separation. We decided to work on things. And so I went back. Um, then COVID happened. So March, 2020, I was really stuck. <laughs> I was stuck. And that was kind of like, I, in my mind, I knew I was like, I'm going to stay until I can make a plan to get out. Basically, that was what was going on. I was like, I don't have it all figured out right now, but I know this is not going to work, but I'm just going to have to like sacrifice for a little bit until I can like be the like, um, trickster Kayla and like go back to my old ways of like, you know, lying and figuring out the best plan possible to get out of this. So Yeah, I stayed. And then 2020 happened. And I just think with the world shutting down, it really made me go deep inside and do a lot of inner work. I I was going to therapy once a week. Um, I was journaling every day. I was reading. I got my yoga certification. So I was learning a lot about breath work and just everything, all the spirituality that comes with yoga. Um, And I could just really start to feel this like confidence coming back. And it was almost this weird like trajectory of like, oh, I used to think I needed him and he was like this whatever you want to call him. Like I just praised him basically to then I was like started to see his true colors. And when you gain more self-worth, you really start to see people for who they are. So I went from being like, oh my gosh, I can never leave you. Like I hope we never break up to wow, like, who are you? Like, I don't know. It's almost this like inflated sense of ego I had of who are you again? Like, I don't need you. And so my confidence and my self-esteem just really ramped up in 2020 after I really started to learn about myself and, and, uh, work through the trauma that I'd gone through and everything. So fast forward to September 27, or I'm sorry, September, 2020, 
I knew I was like, I have to leave. Like I still didn't have anything because then COVID happened. So then you're really not making any money. I didn't buy a car or anything like that. Um, and my grandma was just like, you can come here. Like you can get away. You can start fresh. You can come here. So I had a one-way ticket to Florida. I had my dog, a couple suitcases, and I knew that I just had to get out. Um, I just had to leave the situation and I had zero plan. I had zero job, anything, but I just knew I'm very much one of those people. That's like, I know I have to be somewhere. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, I am not the kind of person that has to have all their ducks in a row before they take a risk. So I'm like, okay, I just have to get there. So I left and this, the healing continued and it's been, you know, it's been rough. It was rough at the beginning, but, um, I'm so glad I did it. And I can't imagine where I would be if I hadn't taken that jump. Dude, it's so cool because like I heard one of my buddies is going through this really crazy, like, business venture. And one of his partners said, you know, sometimes you got to jump out of your plane and then figure out the parachute later. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yep. Just got to figure it out. I just got to figure it out the way down. That's my life motto. I'm just like, let's jump in the safety net. We'll be there when we get down there. And I think it's so cool that, um, you know, one would argue is that so many people go through their lives and they're just slowly dying. Right. Because like you're slowly just building on top. And I think it's so cool whenever you hear people like transform their lives and like that switch flips, one could say that you really started living like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I would you say really between, a- yeah, between that. And like I said, the reparenting of myself mm. and learning about myself after 30 years, I definitely call that living and not just surviving. <laughs> So for someone listening to this, I know that you had three really good points, which the first one, you know, you, you first kind of brought up, but why don't you go through those three points for us really now? So like if someone's watching this and they're like, how do I make that transformation? Like, what are some points? I know that you had three key things. Why don't you go over those for us real quick? Yeah, definitely. I want to get to those. So the first one I mentioned was this, the level of human consciousness, it's energy and frequency. And like I said, I don't, I'm not like a woo-woo. I don't want to get too woo-woo or scare anyone off. But I do believe that, you know, you can only give out what you have inside, right? And so it's really important to understand what you do have inside and what the energy you're giving out to other people. So I do want to share a quick screen with you um, of just like the scale that I thought was super interesting. Let me pull it up really quick Um, and just show you how crazy it is. So... Can you see that? There it is. It's there. Yep. Are you sure? Okay. All right. So this is, this is just, like I said, the levels of human consciousness. So if you can see, if you are like at ultimate peace, joy, love, and I think one could probably, you know, think back to a time where they did feel all these things. Like I remember my, my 20s before my all this stuff started to happen with my family, I did feel so much peace and love and like courage and confidence. So you're kind of like it's these are kind of like you're operating from this frequency or vibration, one would say, if you believe in that sort of thing. Um, and so as you can see, shame is the lowest on the frequency spectrum, right? 
So shame is at a 20, whereas if you were like at total peace in your life, it would be a 600. And not that the number like really matters because you're not going to go around and be like, oh, I'm operating at a 400 today. (laughs) But just to show you like how shame is really just associated with like despising and miserable and kind of just hopeless and and evil in a sense, right? And it kind of ties into guilt a little bit. But I wanted to share that in case anyone, you know, wanted to dive deeper into yeah. into learning about that. And um, so shame being a 20 is uh, this is when people are completely vulnerable to the negativity of the world and they really like absorb everything like a sponge. It's super unhealthy, both physically and emotionally. And like you saw there, it's like at the bottom of the totem pole for the levels of human consciousness. So this is really where people just like want to fade into the shadows and they want to hide from other people. Um, The root word of shame is actually to cover. So (laughs) shame equals to cover, which is exactly what we do, right? When we have feelings of shame and self-loathing, whether it be over our choices or experiences. So that's really the first point that I wanted to make is just like, when we're operating at a level of shame, like we are just going to give out and attract this like negative paranoia, like just self cruelty, self pity, self hate, all the things. And I don't know if it's like someone is coming to your mind right now. If you can think of someone that's like, Oh, I know someone that actually acts, acts like that on a daily basis. You. You. Yeah. And and they don't know that it's running their lives. So I just oh. encourage anyone to to even just research a little bit of that. Um, that it will go a long way. Okay. What is the second point? Second point is the biggest. The another reason why I want to talk about shame is because it was the biggest negative emotion that I had to work through. Um, I would have never said, "Oh, I have shame." Like I, I just. Whenever, whenever think of myself associating with, with shame until I realized that I did. And I have it right here is really when I read this book, Guilt, Shame, and Anxiety, Overcoming and Understanding Negative Emotions. Like this is one of the first books I read when I started my healing journey. No idea why I picked it. I went to the bookstore and I just thought that might resonate with me. And I just picked it off the shelf and I read it and it's amazing. So I definitely recommend that. So basically you do like an assessment of yourself in the guilt section and the shame section and in the anxiety section. And shame was the biggest one that I had. And I was like, oh crap. <laughs> and that was when I realized that okay, this is actually, it might be the answer to my problems of like kind of where wow. I needed to start in my healing journey, if that makes sense. So cool. That is so cool. It's so funny how like, uh, and by the way, the third one, you, anyway, um, <laughs> it's so funny how just like whenever you're in these moments, sometimes like, whether you want to call it the universe, God, whatever, me personally, my definition is God. I've got a personal relationship with him mm-hmm. and like, he'll bring the things to you. Like whenever you're looking for it, whenever you really start searching mm-hmm. all of a sudden things like a random book that you never heard of that mm-hmm. you just saw and it just spoke to you because you were intentionally looking for change. You were looking for transformation. And the next thing you know, whammo, you go through and then through reading that book, you identify that you've been living in shame for all of these years. So that's, it's really cool how 
little tiny things like that happen whenever you're being intentional. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was going to try while I try to find, um, oh, this, my scores here. Okay. So I had 13 of 20, you know, examples of if you have shame or not, I had 13. I'll just read a few. Um, so this is recognizing self-defeating shame feelings. So there's 20 listed and I highlighted 13. So a couple of them are being quiet and shy, feeling sensitive, feeling underappreciated, feeling rejected, being concerned about what other people think of you, wishing you could have had the last word, keeping your thoughts and feelings to yourself to avoid embarrassment, not wanting to seem stupid or inappropriate, being a perfectionist, um, being distrustful or suspicious, avoiding being the center of attention. Those are just a few. Wow. I was like, oh God, (laughs) these are almost all me. How did I get here? Right? Like, how did I get here? So, and like, I think the beautiful thing about a healing journey is like, you get so curious about yourself. I love that word. I love that word. Yes, I know. I love it too. I think if so, if I had to explain myself in like one or two words, it'd be, I'm very curious and I'm very just open-minded to anything. It's like, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh no, I don't have that. It's like, do I have that? Let's, let's figure it out. And if I do, I need to work on it. If I figure out that I don't, great. But I'm just, it's, it's a beautiful thing to just, just be curious about your own self for the rest of your life. That's I, dude, I, I could go and talk about curiosity over, and over. I think in, <laughs> in all like people in general, like, you know, we're so quick to prejudge someone off of like the way they're acting. And I think if we approached more and more things in life, whether it be like someone like reacting or someone treats act, like if we just treat it out of curiosity, like why, mm. like, why are you going through that? Why are you, the, instead of just like, going, nope. I'm shut off to that. That person's toxic. Like, I mean, there are areas where you got to draw boundaries, everything, but like just curiosity, like it, it, and I feel like when you really start living life again, it's like the mind of a child, right? Mm. Like, like you're just curious about things. Like you want to learn, like it's, it's a beautiful thing. And then the third point that you had was. Yeah. So this is the third point and why I wanted to talk about shame is because I don't think anyone would immediately go to this reason. Like I wouldn't have, if it wasn't for this book, this book is like four years old. It's still on my shelf. It's still a a book that I top three book. If I'm trying to help someone and they have questions about this, I'm like, go read this book right now. Um, so I wanted to just provoke your thoughts into looking at maybe shame is something that you need to look at. So hopefully if you're at this point in the episode, you made it this far. Um, this is really why uh, a reason that I wanted to talk about this and it's really how to recover from shame. Um, I would get the book first and foremost, but a couple of just talking points about how to recover from it is acknowledging there's a problem. We kind of touched on that. Realize you suffer from it. Um, Cause shame gives many disguises and it's very convoluted. It's not like a one-to-one it's like, Oh, if you have shame, you're this, it's very convoluted. And there could be many different reasons why you have it or where it came from. Number two would be sharing the problem. So shame is really easy to dismiss if you uh, share it with an empathetic person. So really empathy is the antidote to shame. So just sharing with um, a, a person that can understand, even though even though no one wants to talk about it, even though we all experience it, we have to have that open space to share it with someone. Um, number three is looking for the origins. So better understanding where it came from, the people, the situations, and why did it happen? That book will really open your eyes a lot to that. Recognizing the signs, learning to forgive yourself, and then taking responsibility 
for all of the actions um, that you've maybe done up until this point and being grateful and then just going after what we truly value in life. So again, the third reason is really just like, I am not an expert at this. Um, I, I do want to give it justice. And if you do want to do more research, I know Brene Brown is a great uh, resource for that. I don't know if you've heard of her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So vulnerability and shame. She's done that for like over a decade. So any TED talk she has, anything on YouTube, definitely give it a listen. I think this episode for me is just, again, to provoke your thoughts into looking at that healing you may need. And maybe shame is a good place to start for you. Dude, thank you so much for summarizing that. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being open and transparent. And thank you for spreading the message. I, you know, uh, so many people are ashamed of where they came from, or maybe ashamed of their family or ashamed of decisions they've made that might not have been the best. Like talk about it. The more you talk Mm -hmm. about it, like truly like through our imperfections, talking about our information imperfections that opens, it shines light on that dark area that you're avoiding to unlock. Right. Like, and the more you shine light on that area and the more you curious, like through curiosity, you really start unpacking and looking at it. That's where healing starts happening. Mm -hmm. And so Kayla, thank you so much for coming on. I've got two questions to wrap up. You might've already answered it, but the first question would be if you were going to recommend one book to read, what would it be? Oh, yeah. So it would be this, but also I think another one would be How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicola Pira. And why is that? That is like the Bible of healing. And it's very, um, not dumbed down, but it's very digestible and easy to understand. And it's very finite. Like if you think you need to do some work on yourself, this book is like a good, just easy read to do that. So How to Do the Work. Okay. And then number two, who is the number one person in your life? It can be someone you personally know or someone that you admire from a distance that has impacted your life and why? Ooh. Um, I would say my therapist is one. She definitely changed my life. Um, yeah. I mean, it took me a couple of weeks to really open up to her given all the stuff I had to unpack, but she definitely changed my life. Um, and then I will throw Tyler in there and say, he's definitely helped me by, we just are such a good balance of he's calmed me down. He's very like calm and present and kind of makes me slow down and not be so like hyper, like, um, just independent and just very like goal, go business focused, if that makes sense. Um, so he's just very much like, let's enjoy the moment. Let's be present. La 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 la. And I'm like, okay. So he's definitely, um, impacted my life a lot too. And obviously he's having my baby. So. <laughs> yeah. So that, those are all good. And I'm super excited for you guys. It, it did uh, being a parent, such a beautiful journey. It'll, it will, you can't put into words how much it's going to change someone. And the fact that you've gone through this healing process, you've really done the work, you're out there setting an example. If you're listening to it, habits you love, um, go follow Kayla on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram. I don't know if you have an X or not or Twitter or whatever they want to call it these days. Um, no, I, just, I try to stay minimal and everything. Just Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and anywhere you get a podcast. Apple, apparently, which I'm not Apple. on right now, which apparently I need to shift to. <laughs> Do you have any closing thoughts in relation to this? No, I just wanted to end with one sentence. It's super easy, but I just wanted to say the two most powerful words 
you can say when we're struggling is me too. So just not being afraid to say me too. I struggle with that or I'm struggling and let's all just heal together. Thank you for saying that because <laughs> I too, no, I, uh, I, I think a lot of people, because of the way that movement happened and everything, it's got this negative light shared on it, but the way that you just described it, I think is perfect. So I'm not going to say anything else besides the fact, Kayla, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Of course. And this is Adam with the Backpack Theory Podcast. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. Bye. All right.